Aloha and welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. I am Daniela Martinez and I am here with the amazing Jamie Lewis and the Wild Rock. welcome and i'm really excited to be here today because it's been a long time since we recorded and it might be a little bit longer since we get to record again (laughs) yes indeed it might be might be but we might get another week week. maybe two maybe four maybe four Anything's unrealistic, but. (laughs) And are you trying to speak in code on purpose? No, everyone knows you're Hapai, so. Yeah. People might not know. We're we're, we're over 37 weeks now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But I'm officially off call. Woohoo! Which means nothing because, you know, you're still on call. Even when you're not, you are. Even when you're not. <laughs> you never know who might need you. That's never right. A little That's midwife right. or even a mom unexpectedly. Yes. Yes. Well, and especially because we, you know, we have some fresh postpartum moms still and some, some moms that will deliver in the fall. And so still available, but just not as like drop of the hat available, which yeah. is, has some great relief in and of itself totally I'm really happy for you 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 deserve this time I was like I just hope she gets some time to walk away from her phone for a little bit or go on that little extra long hike or whatever get a little further at a reception (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and not be like I better hurry back right right. (laughs) because even being on call for for ladies postpartum it's uh, it's just a little different than than the on call for the, the birth, actual birth. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so, so who knows maybe we will get to record one more podcast maybe we don't we'll see we'll take what we yeah can. we yeah we really don't know this this person could hang out for another couple weeks um and they might come sooner than that because they have before Uh (laughs) it's very interesting trying not to get caught up in like what the history is and what the past is and just staying present because it can inform but it doesn't dictate right the forward motion so Mm -hmm. it's a fun place to be in limbo yeah (laughs) maybe we could have an episode someday all about the the estimated due date conversation but but yeah no it's been hearing nice to hear you just navigating those things because they're relevant to everyone of like well this is what my body's done before who knows what it'll do next well and how attached some people really get to like well this is what my body does and it's like well you've only had one other pregnancy or you've only had two other pregnancies you know like I have had a few ladies over the years who've had many pregnancies eight births or whatever you know and some of them notice some pretty distinct patterns after a time but I've also had women who've had six or seven babies who are like every single one has been 100% different yeah (laughs) different dates different different out you know like lengths you think they're going to be short and then they're longer and then the last one and so it's really funny because there's a lot of 
assumptions and presumptions of like, if you went fast before you're going to go fast again, or if you took time before, you know, your next one's definitely going to come faster. And it's just not always the reality. I mean, there's some, there's trends, there's truth in it sometimes, but just not being attached to it. Yeah. Even like the genetic factor, just, you know, that some families tend to carry to 42 weeks like oh that's what grandma did and great grandma or the mom um and sometimes that's the case but then to be careful to not turn that into a slippery slope of like oh well all my mom gave birth via cesarean so that's you know I don't think we can give birth because I've heard that too right and it's like well how your mother birth doesn't necessarily mean that's how you'll birth um yeah, so. it gives some insight, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily lead the the conversation. Is, yeah. You know, because yeah, people in my family don't deliver before 40 weeks, except for me. And then maybe I won't this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See? You know, like because I it's just different. Who knows? So and that's the mystery of birth. <laughs> and it's also the fun part if you don't get too heady about it. Like yeah. You know, I think, again, we're always in this society of planning and doing whatever, assuming that this is a pattern and then sometimes get a little discouraged or, or pleasantly surprised when it's not like what we expect. Yeah. I think that's why I like roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, there's so much fun and then like, I don't care what's coming next. It's just going to be, oh, that was unexpected. Oh, we went sideways. Yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> not everyone's uh, no definitely uh, okay. <laughs> not everyone's a thrill seeker <laughs> fair enough um all right well that's a fun little tangent for a moment um yeah yeah <laughs> totally uh, no I wanted to you know have some updates for people too about our real yeah. life yeah. Um, and speaking of our real life, that's where we have drawn upon for our topics today. So at our childbearing wisdom circle last month, um, people had some really good questions because we just hold the space for people to ask whatever is on their mind instead of us choosing what the topic is, because people always have questions or something that's going on in their life they want to check in about. Um and someone brought That's up nice yeah we have one we have women who are like preconception pregnant postpartum nursing you know so it's nice because we get a wide variety of of questions and curiosities and it's cool to listen to women share with each other yeah and it's not just like home birth moms or just people that have worked with us I mean sure there's a lot of that but <laughs> it's not just that it's women and like all different um walks of life like you shared and um it's navigating it from with different providers or settings and and also just exploring options um so that's really beautiful too right just people that are curious so we had some really awesome questions come out of that um should we start with the smaller one first before the big one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so one awesome question was, this woman was like, listen, I keep hearing you guys say interventions. Like, what does that mean? And oh, it was like, oh, thank you for 
wheeling it back for us, right? Because again, everyone's at different points in the journey there. So I figured that could be a fun place. Um, and maybe a lot of the listeners are already, you know, you're listening because you have figured out so much of this already. <laughs> um, but it's still a great place to, to start um, or refresh. And well, and so much of it is your perspective of what an intervention really is if you ask a medical provider versus you ask a free birthing person those are very 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 different answers I think that's part of why the question was also interesting because I've never actually had to answer that I kind of just took it for granted like we all know what we're talking about but then I was like wait wait now I really have to break it down what is it and then I realized oh it's kind of like what is it to me <laughs> uh-huh yeah. it's very the, personal the cultural perspective for sure um maybe I should just look up what intervention is like in a neutral way before <laughs> before my thoughts on it but we're talking about medical interventions right as they pertain to labor and delivery to maternity care to pregnancy birth and postpartum um and yeah, you break it down, an intervention is the active process of intervening, right? So anything that you do to intervene during the childbearing process, um, and we're talking usually about a medical context, but really an intervention can be as simple as asking a woman too many questions. <laughs> and if she gets in her head, you're, you're interrupting her process. Um, not everyone especially will. if it's already in the damn chart yeah. <laughs> right yes um, <laughs> <laughs> but that 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 really does point out of why it's an intervention because it really can mess with people if they're trying to get in the zone and focus and meditate and get out of their head but then you kept trying to get them into their thinking brain um like we're not trying to be nitty-gritty here it's legitimately can throw people off and that's why even this isn't just about the hospital we can be at home and if there's the woman's maybe too chatty because she's socializing with her friends who are her birth team and she's really excited um like that can kind of interrupt things too um and and sometimes we might step away so she gets a little out of her head and just starts focusing and more in the zone and starts drifting away into that meditative place right so, so yeah, that can be an example of, or, or just a very subtle example, right? a gentle example of interventions. Um, and then it escalates from there, <laughs> right? There's the bigger examples that we're more commonly talking about, um, such as maybe routine blood draws when you are admitted um, into a hospital or birth center or um, in labor, uh, maybe routine IVs, um, or even just placement of a saline lock, you know, vaginal exams upon arrival, blood pressures, you know, and again, not to say that you shouldn't take someone's blood pressure, but, um, at this, you know, again, the history, if, if they don't have a history of, then that could be, or if they're really deep in labor, like yeah and that's and right and then the car drive from home <clears throat> to the birth setting um that one's often pointed out 
as an intervention too, because you have to, it can interrupt the process. If it's too early, sometimes contractions space out or. And a lot of that is not just the card drive. It's the then being met with a million questions, being separated from your partner, being examined, la, 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 la. Right, like new environment, all these new people that you may or may not have met and um, right, the chattiness, right? That that whole process is an intervention. Um, And then the classic ones of Pitocin induction. To yeah, mm-hmm. inductions. Um, Membrane sweeps. Breaking waters. Um, right, meds for pain relief, whether it's morphine or fentanyl or epidurals or. And then, and uh, then even. Fetal monitoring, continuous fetal monitoring. Right. How someone talks to you. how they deliver any information not just talking but how it's spoken (laughs) right I was gonna say that when we're talking about being admitted into the hospital and walking in and being asked all the questions you know often they're just doing their job and just speaking like regular day speaking not necessarily speaking like someone's in the most deepest epic ceremony of their life <laughs> like normal tone um, yeah sometimes that's a lot to handle and sometimes the intervention is what they're not doing which is telling people they can't eat or drink right? or not loving on you <laughs> yeah yeah not being gentle or sensitive or talking to you through contractions and expecting you to respond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all those things, it's things that interrupt the process um, are just- and Some can be helpful and some are straight up like, you know, showstoppers. <laughs> yeah and, and yeah I'll recognize maybe as I we well me but yeah we've been presenting these interventions yeah I know that there's an edge of bias here in our tone of like oh when they do these things um that it's often unhelpful um and that's just because we've just seen that be the case <laughs> um right reason, yeah but you know, the problem is more so unnecessary interventions than not. Of course, IVs are epic when they're necessary, right freaking on, and t- even surgeries, all the things when necessary, I'm for it. Um, the reason this conversation of interventions comes up so much is because it's been a very long time of interventions being overused and misused on women and women receiving all that unnecessarily and women are fed up with it. And they're starting to, well, not starting to, they they started this a long time ago. This ain't new, (laughs) Um, but to speak up uh, and, and not keep tolerating this because it's causing more problems, right? Then it's solving. So again, necessary interventions to solve problems, epic. Unnecessary interventions done routinely. Creating problems. (laughs) That's what we're, what's not okay. It's creating huge problems, short-term and long-term, huge ripple effects in the fabric of humanity forever. (laughs) So that's why we're so passionate about this. And as Jamie always says, 
it's what do you always say starts with birth but it's bigger than birth it's bigger than birth yeah <laughs> like we can always we can always center it around birth but it is bigger than that it's that and and it can start to right like during pregnancy interventions can start during pregnancy of like oh you have twins so you're gonna have a c-section or oh or we're gonna induce you at 36 weeks or oh you know like right out the gate sometimes those just the conversations that undermine a, a confidence or undermine um like those are interventions because they interrupt the process of trusting and and connecting with yourself right sometimes people think even having an outside provider that's what even that whole thing of the spectrum of there's the medical interventions, but then even sometimes having a medical provider, people feel like is an intervention because then they're putting their, they're seeking outside information or resources to tell them what to do versus maybe validating what they need or, or do or how they um, how they move forward. So it's really interesting because it really is very personal what an intervention is. Some people are all for the whole, you know, medical world and like, you know, that these are, these interventions are in place because, and I'm choosing them. I want to have this induction because I'm 41 and a half weeks and that's good enough for me to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, so it's just so very personal. And I think even, you know, the whole like understanding and respecting where people are coming from on that front is also very important. But I think the, ju the juxtaposition that we get stuck in here is that unfortunately, most people don't have much information or education about the mainstream medical interruptions or the mainstream interruptions and how they do affect not just birth, but the long, longer term, like mm -hmm. consciousness of how we move forward. <laughs> you know, it's deep. I mean, we're talking about women's trust in themselves, their embodiment of their own intuition, of their own courage, of their own confidence as an individual, as a mother, it ripples throughout the rest of her journey caring for this baby right and then the imprints on the baby you know I was thinking about this story last night and I'm always we're always careful of like not sharing stories that aren't ours and um but there's just this story that's really haunted me for years and I'm gonna share just a snippet just the part that illustrates how it can impact the baby because it's it's hard to illustrate this sometimes. And this one just really points it out, perhaps in an obvious way. And a scenario of a woman being on an epidural for um, over 24 hours. And then finally, after so much, her baby's, you know, right there. But the hospital is understaffed. And she's told to just hold on and just hold on. And, and, and even though the epidural is wearing off a little bit, so that urge to push is growing a little bit, that she should just ignore that and resist that and not listen to that because she needs to wait because the doctor's, doctor's just not still there. in the back in surgery. So yeah, she, she just can't give birth yet. Listen, this went on for at least an hour. And, and I mean, um, 
it, it, she and she was stuck in this place of like oh but I feel like it and and they told her well you can just press the epidural and and then it'll go away that urge to push and she was conflicted do I do I not and ultimately she just did and that bought her more time and then by the time this doctor comes around and the baby comes out this baby's in respiratory distress and needs a lot of help coming around um so it, that illustrates a few things you know I can't 100% pinpoint that that's why the baby needed respiratory distress but you can't rule it out that a baby that was ready to come out that was right there you know it, and by the time they're so low that's like a very tight squeeze that's one of the tightest squeezes that they're going to experience they're not necessarily supposed to be there all that long I mean not any more than they need to you know and so well, and just because the fetal monitor says it's okay doesn't necessarily mean that's okay right that's in the evidence that you know that's there's false negatives and positives and fetal monitoring. That's not the end all be all. It doesn't pick up on everything. Um, so yeah, this baby wasn't great, but then what kind of messages is this sending to the baby uh, and the mother? Don't trust your intuition. Don't trust your body. You know, you need someone else to do this for you. Your impulses are wrong or you're, and then to the baby, the same thing, right? You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is also just not an uncommon scenario. I mean, this just happened with a doula friend of ours who, in, right. at, at the hospital. She's and she ended up being getting in trouble because they were like, you were pushing without us here. And she was like, I know we weren't, but the baby could have been born an hour ago and we could have avoided all of this like yeah. issue that we're having now because you they just didn't want her to have the baby yet. The pe person wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> this is, it's so deep. I it's mean, a common story. Yeah, but then they tell people epidurals don't affect the baby. It's like, well, well, then why are they monitoring your baby continuously with fetal monitors otherwise, right? Because they can affect right. the baby and they want to make sure that they pick up on it if it's happening, right? Right. So, I mean, long exposure to it one must ask the question was that part of it you know when well, mom can't communicate with her baby anymore you know like that gets turned off so you know if the only way to know that the baby's having a hard time at that point is to l listen because you're not you're not feeling right yeah like how many women do we get to sit with and watch them. I mean, this just happened. Watch them favor aside, favor aside, favor aside, favor aside, you know, and it's like, there's a reason why she's either managing and not letting it build <laughs> mm -hmm. or it's what the baby actually needs. And every time she goes and does something, some other thing, you know, then she kind of just goes back to the, the other position because the baby's giving her a signal that like, this isn't working for me. Yeah, right. And you cut off those subtle messages um, and they can have really big impacts, right? Yeah. I know that's like, you know, that's the blessing of being able to feel it all in labor. Yes, it's powerful and intense and, and it's wise and being able to help you communicate with your baby and what they need and adjust yourself accordingly for mm -hmm. their safety and for the 
process to be able to unfold. Um, so baby can make their way through that that perfectly tight squeeze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's why this is huge, right? I hope yeah. we did. I think we did a good job here illustrating zooming in and out, micro and the yeah. of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, just to recognize that it's personal, but don't necessarily like, you know, think about it in a bigger picture because if you're kind of headed down that mainstream model um, of care, it's best to keep questioning stuff as opposed to just take it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to paraphrase some quote that I saw somewhere. I don't even know where, but it was something along the lines of that we've kind of, we've been indoctrinated into fearing birth so much that we don't spend any time questioning the interventions, something like that, that we're just so caught up in the fear of birth and wanting to be saved from it that we forget to then realize that these interventions can also have risks, right? Right. We miss having that whole conversation. Often. We miss that the reason why we should be afraid is because all the interventions come with a lot of risk, actually. Right. And all that's the, yeah. like there's a reason why we're afraid. And maybe it's we've been indoctrinated to be afraid of the pain. But the reality is that we've been indoctrinated to just be afraid of it, period. And so we give our authority and our autonomy over and don't realize that, yeah, like most people don't realize that, well, that happened because of this and, it, you know, just the fear of itself. Talk about an intervention. Yeah. That's why I say, you know, because sometimes it starts the minute you pee on the stick and <laughs> the minute you have your first appointment, sometimes that undermining Oh, is that intervention? That's totally it. And and I found the quote, so I'm going to read it. Well, Yay! I mean, it's short. Let's see. They trick you into fearing the pain of birth so you don't have the time to fear the routine use of unnecessary intervention. All right, I didn't do such a total bad job. Yeah, did, yeah. that. that was pretty much the point, right? Yeah. And, and the irony is that a lot of the horror stories out there are often of these scenarios in the hospital of interventions gone wrong, right? Of, oh, they did all these interventions and then my baby's heart rate crashed and thank goodness the hospital was there to save me and do an emergency cesarean. Um, and that's part of what kind of fuels people's fear of birth. I mean, it's complex. There's a lot of reasons people are afraid of birth, but that's a big one because there are a lot of horror stories that people share all the time. Um, and they think that's the way birth always is um, or needs to be, um, not necessarily, but it sometimes the overuse of interventions is, well, people don't realize that that's the way that birth played out that way, right? Well, and even some birth providers, some providers feel that way, right? Um, I've been really enjoying sharing this story that my husband had a conversation with a woman on a boat 
who said she was training to be a midwife. And he was like, oh, you know, really excited to talk to her about it. And he was like, yeah, you know, the only bad thing is that, you know, the hours are kind of lame. You know, you have to really have support or like, you know, if you have kids, da, 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 da. And she was like, oh, no, no, no. My, you know, I'm on an OB rotation and, you know, I only work two 12 hour shifts and da, 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 you know, and he was like, oh, that, and he was like, oh, that's curious. And then he was like, you know, my wife's always on call. She does house, she does house calls. She, she gets, can get called 24 hours a day or whatever, um, you know, and she does home birth and the girl said, home birth oh that is scary and he was like wait aren't you training to be a midwife (laughs) (laughs) and we know that not all midwives do home births right there is a lot of midwives who work in hospitals or birth centers but the fact that she was afraid of home birth as a midwife was very curious (laughs) um and then he also asked her if maybe the correct term for her job would be an obstetrical nurse and then he's like so you're kind of like an obstetrical nurse yeah she's like no I'm a midwife and he was like oh okay (laughs) oh see and hence this weird place the confusion right we talked about midwives and doulas last time and and what people (laughs) think is a midwife and people have different thoughts about them some think midwives are still these like you know the traditional way of just like the super the rootsy herbalist woman um and some people like that idea and some people think it's like this old archaic thought of the midwives in the bushes so barbaric right right some people look at it more barbaric stuck in the stone age <laughs> right and then some people do expect the obstetric nurse styled midwife and um, but then this conversation of who gets to be using the title of midwife and who's allowed to and the irony that someone that would be so afraid of home birth can use it whereas like home birth is where it started from like what are you talking about and some of the home birth people are not going to be able to use that term I mean this is another can of worms for perhaps another episode that we've talked about a lot about but still mm, 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 mm. but yeah yeah just a curious like (laughs) like I said just a curious thing of like sometimes it does come from the providers I mean there's plenty of obstetricians who are terrified of home birth I mean that isn't that surprising, but, you know, um, and so, and us not intervening is scary for them. I also had a birth at my house where I had a nurse midwife who was in attendance and she kind of got creeped out at the end because she was like, oh my gosh, what if we need a resuscitation team? Who's, who's, oh, we are the resuscitation team. (laughs) I was like, because she'd been working in hospital setting for so long that she forgot that like, no, we actually have like all these different skills that we have to bring to the table. We are the pediatric team. We are, we are the, um, anyway, so it's just a, it's (laughs) that whole fear curiosity where is the line drawn between intervention between safety you know these are topics that we talk about a lot 
um, on this podcast. So it's fun to talk about specifically intervention, but how it cross pollinates all these other topics that we have covered previously or whether in depth or touched on. And it's just really interesting. It is. And just to add a little bit more at the tail end here, of the, you know, fear of one thing and maybe not asking more questions because right there's all this fear about crossing the 41 week mark or so many reasons that they want to induce right but then they're they often won't explain too much about the risks of inductions or maybe they'll kind of downplay them and yeah sure we've refined medicine a lot and things in some ways are better than before but there's still a lot of risk involved. You are increasing your risk of, of well, one, that it won't work and it'll end up in a cesarean or uh, forceps or a vacuum being needed or a hemorrhage or the baby not actually faring as well, which is ironic because the whole point is to avoid- Healthy mom, healthy baby. baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there are risks to the baby. And so- And if not this baby, the next one and- yeah, and long-term health, which is often not looked at because we just care about like the immediate risk and we want the baby. And most studies only go to X amount of time afterward, right? Like they only fund it to follow them for however long. So, um, and it depends on what you're looking for. You only fund what you're looking for. <laughs> right. So, yep. yeah. So, but we also know that in, in, modern obstetrics we do know that 60 percent or more is um things are done just routinely without much backing or with um you know actually a lot of proof that it's not doing better um for mothers and babies and yet we perpetuate it you know it's like it's hard to change a whole system it is. It's crazy. Like cutting the cord immediately of a baby who needs resuscitation when there's an overflowing amount of evidence showing like, no, those babies fare. They end up doing way better after being resuscitated if they remain connected to their cords, but they cut the cords for a logistical reason. That's the only reason they cut the cord, not because it's, it's better for your baby, not because it's evidence-based to do it. It's just because the tables on the other side of the room yeah. <laughs> and, and the tables that can be right next to mom are too expensive or, you know, because so hard or we're not going to, or we're not going to train you just how to do it right there. Like that's, that means we have to change the whole education system. We have to change the equipment. We have, to, you know, it's like, yeah. And for a system that's completely inundated, I mean, everybody, you know, people, not everybody, but, you know, many women have babies. <laughs> many, many do. And, and I hope this has answered the question of what an intervention is <laughs> or sparked or at least sparked your curiosity uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> to realize this is a huge conversation and, and we invite you to dive deeper into the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. And talk to your girlfriends about it and talk to people who've been through it and, it is, it is really interesting because you will get different um, feedback. It was a great topic when we spoke in circle with many women and who, what they deemed as 
where that line was drawn or like, oh, that felt like interruption. Yeah, right. So interventions aren't inherently bad or good or always evil. Um, I mean, I get, I think they get a bad rep because often they tend to be, um, you know, overused or. Yeah, but there's definitely, look, we got to be careful not to swing the other way. And this is what we talked about with, um, well, we've talked about it a few times. It's just not swinging the other way of like dogmatically always hands off, never do anything. Like, no, that's not what we're saying either. Like, obviously there's yeah. times where we absolutely do need to intervene. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we're talking about here is again, not doing things routinely because you end up doing things mindlessly without thought, without a need for it, without paying attention to what's going on in the moment. You're just doing it like a robot formula kind. And we're talking about the art of being present in the moment of seeing what's going on, the context and responding accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that part of what we do. <laughs> Me too. Me too. The individuality is is really important. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that was supposed to be the short, simple <laughs> question we were starting with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's see. Um, well, we can so, still probably squeeze the other topic in and not run over. I think too we much. can. We just we'll, we'll focus. We'll be we'll refine our answers to be clear yeah right (laughs) (laughs) told you i'm stepping into the fog (laughs) i love it it's like share your wisdom from the fog jamie (laughs) Ah, whatever is coming out yep closer closer and closer to birth and giving less shits about (laughs) yeah other things Well, damn, I almost feel like, do you want to talk about that for a second of even that being a thing? Because I feel like that's not talked about much. It can be brief, just about what happens at the end of the pregnancy and drifting away. Oh, well, um, I mean, sure. It's (laughs) funny to be back in that space, I guess, because, you know, people wonder, like, should I work up to the last minute or should I take you know, stop working at 36, 37 weeks. And again, it's very personal. If you think you're going to go stir crazy, then no work, like don't sit there and go stir crazy thinking, Oh, any second, any second, make yourself crazy about it. But other times, even if you work up to the end, you shouldn't expect to be like terribly productive or on point if you, you know, (laughs) or feel apathetic about certain things or like I don't know I just keep looking at my backyard and I really need to I have all windows in the back of my house and I'm like oh I need to cut down that banana tree and I need to mow the lawn and I need to trim over there and it's so overwhelming that I also as much as I care I don't really care (laughs) (laughs) but I do care because I'm looking at it every day well whenever I'm home (laughs) yeah but not, and also like a little less tolerance for other people's like stuff. I mean, these are things that we t- I talk about in pregnancy all the time, you know, like mothers get shorter with their children or their partners. Um, like, why can't you just be a mind reader or why can't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, or 
just having to walk away to just be like, I just can't even have these conversations. Like my brain is just not there. I just don't, I'm just not as invested as I normally would be. And it's, it's an interesting place. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I mean, I, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Cause I think that this might be a thing that might often be written off of like, Oh, it's just pregnancy brain. And you're just, you can't think straight because you're pregnant and hormones and look de do and, but instead of seeing it as this annoying thing of pregnancy where you can't think straight and, right, be productive for capitalism. Instead, it can be this thing of like, well, no, that's just how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be spending or maybe wasting energy on frivolous things that don't really matter. And your body's trying to get you to just focus on what does matter right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really true. And it's like, you know, um, it's not that I don't care or that I don't, it's just more like, yeah, it's, I do care. That's why it keeps nagging at me. (laughs) And at the same time though, like, yeah, the focus starts shifting on like taking, taking care of your mental state, taking care of your body, like allowing yourself to rest or not get inundated by other people's stuff, you know, at that point because it's like well you come to the your body wants to be more soft and in love and not stressed and not because it wants to welcome the baby you know I think that that's very natural which goes back to more intervention talk really because then most women getting mainstream care they're getting to this point of 38 weeks 39 weeks and now suddenly they're talking about more major interventions scheduling inductions and doing that stuff as opposed to like well what are you doing to like be in love what are you doing to make yourself feel good and be taken care of and lightening your load and you know those conversations because that is what the body wants which is why it it feels like sometimes you know you're not being productive or whatever and it feels strange like you should be because bless you Thank you. <laughs> um but it is that it it is in there in innate in us to want to kind of tuck away or and again this isn't it's not universal but it is largely universal that these are the conversations we're having with women in in this period of time <laughs> Sorry, it's like the phone and the computer. Um, Yeah, well, you think about mammals, right? And that's what they do. They kind of start retreating, not just in labor. Make their nest. (laughs) Right, just gradually preparing, gradually slowing down. So, yeah, there's, again, that slowing down conversation that we have about menstruation, that we have about postpartum. And it's not a weakness to slow down if that's truly what the body's asking for. It's like a superpower to honor what you need. So, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah, different for everyone, right on. Cool, just whatever it is for you, do that. So, so cool. All right. Yeah. Well, we, we can do this. We can do one more topic, Jamie. Yeah, we can get through it. Okay, 
got this. All right. It doesn't have to necessarily, it might actually be the smaller topic. Hey, it might be so. Doubt it. Okay. So <laughs> one of the other epic questions that came up last month in Circle was, it's more a general topic or situation that often comes up um, and it's multi-layered. It was in context of someone choosing home birth and wondering how to navigate a family member that was concerned about that choice, um, and just what to do about that. So this opens up a lot of topics, but yeah, what to do about family that doesn't necessarily, or loved ones that might not understand your decision and might actually straight up not support it. Um, so and I guess we're talking a little bit further than your partner, because that's, yeah. that is a whole other thing, <laughs> it, it is. but yeah. maybe like your mother-in-law or your sister or someone who's a little bit outside of the like actual decision-making circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the case of the woman who brought it up, the mother-in-law lived on the property she was going to birth in. So it felt like she had to interact with it or deal with it or some way, but then that's part of the question, right? Do you have to deal with it? And it's going to be case by case. How close are they to you? How involved are they? How much can you just put it aside or not? How can they influence you or not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so big. I'm almost not sure where to get at this from, but yeah, it's not your responsibility as the birthing woman for one to have to educate other people or to help people deal with their fears. Cause that's often where it comes from. You know, a lot of the time it can be unresolved trauma from their own births. Um, that they just don't know what to do with and they're stuck in fear mode and we feel for them. And it's again, just not your responsibility to help them figure that out. But there's a lot of right. projecting that happens of they're like, oh, well, I tried that and it, and it didn't quite work out. So, or this happened to me or this happened to my whomever. Yeah, there's a lot of that that comes up for sure. Um, and how far away from the hospital are you? How quick can you get there? And not really recognizing that these are the things that even mothers and their partners talk about <laughs> and like yeah. talk with their midwife about. Exactly. But yeah, other people's stuff. Right. And I mean, those are good topics to talk about and figure out for sure but if they're being brought up by someone more so out of fear and almost a place of kind of like doubt you know that's not helpful right or even manipulation of like I don't I'm not comfortable with you doing this that's my grandbaby or whatever Mm -hmm. um that's that's tricky it is um and it can seem trickier maybe not always but if it's somebody's first baby um, or first time birthing at home, um, and it, if they're the only ones in their family to have chosen that for many generations, they're these trailblazers, right? Doing something different uh, that can 
confuse people because they don't understand this culture because that's what it is right they just don't get it and and that's just what a lot of people are up against since we're in this funny modern time of having been in hospital births largely for a couple few generations and now shifting the tides to returning back to home birth what we did for most of humanity um so people are just gradually getting used to this idea again so part of it's just going to be you're just going to have to own it just recognize you know they might not get it until the birth is all said and done they might never get it and they don't need to this isn't their decision it's not their birth not their baby you're the only one that's going to live with your decisions for the rest of your life and that's it yeah it's also really interesting and i was just sort of like thinking about it as a bigger topic than just um appeasing other people but the whole thing of why midwives have become more medicalized mm. over the years right is is like oh well the fear thing right and so basically having hospital birth at home you can essentially have a hospital birth at home <laughs> nowadays seriously like you know the only thing that's missing is the epidural. or <laughs> yeah. and, and the epidural but like it's really very curious um, and then who is that to appease? Is that to appease the mother? Is it to appease the in-laws? So you could say, well, I'm having a home birth, but she has everything. She has a pocket ultrasound. She has a this, she has a that, you know. Um, it's funny because I never really thought about, I mean, I have thought about that connection of like midwifery getting more medical mainstream because of fear. Yeah. But also just that conversation of like, if you're trying to appease others about your choice, how some people may choose the more medicalized midwife, not because it's what they want, but because it makes their family members happier. Yeah, it's true. And different things make different people feel safe. And it's you know this is part of why birth can be so beautiful and transformative and healing for generations because yeah maybe that mother-in-law that's really afraid or the woman's own mom that's really afraid um can actually end up working through that and come out on the other side um with you know more peace about birth and maybe her own experiences but again it's <laughs> i keep coming back to it this yeah that can happen but it's not your responsibility to make your birth become a healing opportunity for someone else about their birth like if that happens 100 percent. yeah yeah but, but that's not, not why you're <laughs> right that's not why you choose what you choose no absolutely not it's got to be about you and and i mentioned the first time mom thing because there's something about from maiden to motherhood that's unique um, even though every time someone has a baby, that's uh, this exponential growth. But that first time, there's something there be stepping into an authority, like you're the parent now, right? Mm -hmm. Stepping into parenthood for the first time, you're like, oh yeah, I get to make the decision. Okay, I'm the yeah. One you don't have to do what your your parents want you to do. You are the parent. Yeah, and I think people have to navigate that maybe that boundary a little more than ever before. It's kind of a time for like a bigger um not separation but a bit of a cutoff from that 
parental authority that we, we might have been living with of letting your parents have more weight in your life and choices um, and that they don't have to this time for that one again everyone goes home and you're still home with your baby and your body and your mind right mm -hmm. yes it's actually interesting because it comes up here i don't know how i have only practiced here regularly but um but the multi-generational home thing um, is an interesting contingency point because it's so common in Hawaii to have multi-generational homes. And so you'll have grandma and living upstairs or within, you know, a few feet of your doorway <laughs> um, and maybe sister or brother or whatnot, you know, like there's many families within a, within a home here and that is also an interest and so like you were saying the, the the woman who brought up the question they're going to be living on the same property as um as the mother-in-law who is concerned about them choosing home and sometimes the people are like right under your feet <laughs> and how does that work because if they're not on board at all, or if they're really fearful, then how can you proceed to in your space? Because that's your home too. Um, that's a real tricky one because it is one of those things where it's like, well, you almost have to give them some education in order to, or some information in order for there to be peace or you have to go to a hotel or something, which is, that goes back to the intervention thing. Because <laughs> you're getting in the car and like leaving your safe little space. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a huge one. Sorry, there's a big truck outside, but this conversation of who's at the birth or even close by, because even close by even if you can't see them the birthing mom can sense <laughs> the energy surrounding her oh, yeah. home right so having someone there who isn't fully on board can be straight up dangerous so it's not to be taken lightly so yeah if someone's gonna be around and there's just no way around that fact for some reason then yeah okay let's try to have them understand as much as possible so that they're not a nervous wreck influencing the birth. Yeah. And if some, and if there's no way getting them out of nervous wreck mode, then something should be done. I know midwives that will straight up not attend a birth if everyone involved isn't 100% supportive. If there's anyone that's not supportive and they're gonna be there, these midwives will not attend not because they're trying to be snooty, but because they know that it can have a huge impact on the safety and outcome and trajectory of that birth. And it's just not worth the risk for them. Um, and I think there's a gray zone there. There's also these epic stories of, you know, nobody believed in her except the midwife and the team and, and herself. And she stuck it out and she kept going and proved everyone wrong, you know, like there's that too, but it does take a lot of courage and confidence in yourself to keep going in the face of naysayers. Right? Yeah. 
and that's part yeah. of transformation and, and why birth can be so empowering because you find your power, your strength, your confidence within yourself, regardless of anything else outside of you. It has all that potential. It can be so epic. And that's why women come out so like badass out of it, you know? Um, but but yeah, it can be intense. <laughs> yeah, it really can be. It really can be. And that's that's that transition though of like finding your voice or or not not finding your voice and then feeling some kind of way about it on the other side of like, Oh, I wish I would have listened to myself. And, and I also just want to touch on, you can't assume that something would have been exponentially better or one way or another, because there's no way to tell, like the path that we're on is the path we're on for a reason. So um, just a little like mindfulness around some of those victimized or victimhood conversations is to just remember that like you know now you do know or now this is you know but it wasn't revealed to you on purpose there is something some reason why you know so you can't assume that if you had done x y or z there would be a better outcome or a different scenario or whatever so even choosing home and then needing to go into hospital or you're choosing hospital because somebody influenced you and, you know, oh, if I was home, this, that, or the other, you just cannot play out that scenario. You just have to trust yeah. that, that, that you chose these things. Hopefully you're choosing them with intention. I guess that goes back to that. Like if you're just choosing stuff and, or you're not choosing, you're letting everyone else choose for you. Same thing though. You're making a choice to not choose. So, um, yeah, I just want to touch on that, I guess, a little bit, because yeah. a lot of pe- women feel a lot of guilt or a lot of like, it would have been better if or it would have, and it's possible, but you just don't know. Right. And the only thing is that you may have another opportunity to explore some of those topics at another time. But right now, this is the lesson. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. There's a balance there between reflecting on how we can, what like, what is the lesson to be learned? Um, and respecting that the lessons come up however they need to in people's lives um and being careful of not just like oh well things just didn't work out because auntie messed up my birth like well can't you know auntie doesn't hold all the responsibility of things you know that, that taking responsibility for our own stuff too of like well why did I, I didn't let tell her? Yeah, I didn't. I, yeah, I let her yeah. come. <laughs> yeah, why did I let her come? Right. So those lessons too. Um, it's multi-layered. Yeah, it's it's never quite so simple as just one factor. These yeah. are just some pieces of the puzzle for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. But ultimately, but- you have to do what feels right for you. Bingo. And then you. It's, you're less likely to fall into those conversations, those, those like self doubt things of like, oh, I should have, or I, you know, you have, you have to do what's right for you. Yeah, and, good. you know, we can, you can love auntie, but she can also go bake a cake. Totally. <laughs> that you'd be so stoked on postpartum <laughs> that's right that's right you know give give people who want to be involved a job that's appropriate for them you know as a, not and and as we say all the time too birth isn't a spectator sport so you don't want to invite 
people. And I mean, I've, we've definitely had women over the years who don't tell their family members their choice because they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to have to educate them. They don't want, so they are very minimal in what they share with their family members or their coworkers and things like that. And sometimes that's what needs to happen in order to protect your space. If it's not, if they're not living in your house or being in your space, if it's other peripheral people, sometimes not talking about it until after the fact is, or, or ever (laughs) is a way to protect yourself too. You know, that like, well, it's not really your choice or your business. Um, and you don't have to say it like that. You know, you just, yeah, we're getting good care. We feel great. Babies. I mean, I mean, some people straight up lie. Yeah. We're having the baby at the hospital. (laughs) Oh yeah. I had, I yeah. Maybe it was with the, I can't remember, but someone told their like, you know, 80 something year old grandma, like, yeah, yeah. We're going to the hospital. You know, they're like, grandma's just so old. Like she, she's just where she's at. Like she's not trying to reinvent the wheel right now. <laughs> right. And the last thing we need to do is try to convince her that us having a home birth is the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Let's not stress grandma out. Like she's where she's at. We're going to let her be. And, and, you know, it's fine. Um, and yeah. And it wasn't like grandma was at the birth, but yeah, whoever's yeah. at the birth, choose wisely, choose carefully. You're allowed to change your mind. Even if you invited someone and then you're like, Oh, actually I'm not that, that I don't right. want to call them. Yeah. Yep. You you can you can uninvite them. Um, yeah. It's, and don't uh, feel bad about it. I mean, that has happened to me with both of my births so far, where I'm like, sure, you can come. And then in the heat of it all, I'm I I'm not uninviting them. I just <laughs> didn't. I was just was like, the last thing I need is another person here. it's not that I don't love you and you're totally supportive even like you would never undermine me in a million years but like I just don't need anyone else and that has happened with both of my deliveries that's so funny I didn't look at it that way but that's right so. <laughs> yeah you can have the most amazing support team in the world and they all want to be there but that's that spectator sport thing you know so right. be yeah. true to what you need period end of story like please let it be that simple I know it's hard and especially with different patterns this means maybe breaking some patterns you've held your whole life or I know what it's like to not have really solid boundaries sometimes with parents where we're all just so such a close family and we're just there for each other no matter what and we're all involved in people's business and your business is my business and it's sometimes we forget we're because I care about you yeah yeah and then all of a sudden it's like wait why are you trying to push me out you know it can and maybe someone gets defensive and it might mean some hard conversations but it, it you'll be better off in the long run for having had that hard conversation earlier instead of having to deal with the hard conversation in labor or just the tension that can arise from it didn't putting... invite me <laughs> it you'll be yeah instead of being in labor and then feeling like you can't uninvite them and then you're stuck in this place of like not feeling comfortable in your own space in labor yeah. when it's hard to even formulate words <laughs> right right 
or like I said, I would call them, but like, I don't really want to, or, and then having to navigate it on the other side of people feeling like, well, you said you were going to call, you said I could come. So that too, I mean, this, this conversation has shifted to like how to keep other people comfortable with you having a home birth to who's invited period. <laughs> like, not, but, but, you know, even having those conversations on the front end, like you said, like maybe you think you want your mom there, but then also to like prep her that like, but I might not call and it's not about you. It's like, I just don't know what I'm going to want. Like right now, I think I want you there, but in the heat of the moment, I might not. And then that can help avoid some uncomfortable stuff on the other side when you just want to be in your love bubble. And that too, it just depends on the personality of the person you are bringing, potentially bringing into the space. Like if they're going to be super salty, then if you don't call, then, you know, that might be a thought of, is that really who you want to invite in the first place? Mm-hmm. They might be more stoked to get a surprise phone call to show up <laughs> as opposed to being let down that they never got the call at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you want people there. But yeah. ultimately you're not responsible for other people's feelings when you're having your baby either. So. <laughs> and, and this might be really uncomfortable for people if you're not used to, you know, you're used to kind of just, oh, the people pleasing thing of just, you know, not wanting to be confrontational or uncomfortable setting up boundaries. And I know what that feeling's like. Ugh, it's uncomfortable when you're not used to that, but you can get used to it over time and you realize you're not being rude by setting boundaries and you can do it gracefully and firmly and you're not responsible for how people will respond, but that you will be better off in the long run for being able to set those boundaries. Um, And that's part of growth. Yeah. That's part of growth. And, you know, I mean, we always, everything is related to birth and that's like, that's transition, that uncomfortable you know, like, oh, I don't want to feel this or be this way. But you know, on the other side is this release or this reward. And, you know, in birth, it's your baby and, and in growth and, and um, like personal development, it's, it's that like, okay, I, I set that boundary and I stuck with it and I, I feel good about it. I, I don't, you know, like, I feel bad that you feel bad. But at the same time, I have taken care of my own priorities and that can be very freeing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the time to get your priorities straight. Nothing else matters. No one else matters besides yeah. the mom and her baby. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the sooner your team or your support team recognizes that, that it's not about them either. It's, it's about the mom and the babe. It's about how they, how they move through this huge experience together and how they're loved and supported through it and on the other side. And that's that ripple effect. That's that downward stream. That's the generational healing. That's, that is more healing than just someone witnessing someone's birth. 
yeah. is to watch someone really like blossom and develop and grow from an experience. Mm-hmm. And, and it comes back around to the intervention thing, right? You're not here to make your providers comfortable either. No, it's not your job to be a good patient. Yeah. It's your job to be a good mother. Totally. <laughs> the only person's comfort that matters is the mom's comfort. That's it. She's not here to make other people comfortable or, or happy or whatever. Right. And even her partner. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that does come back to that bigger piece though. Maybe sometime we'll, we'll um, explore that topic a little bit more. Cause you know, that relationships are very complicated. I mean, if there's abuse, if there's things, you know, going on that are deeper, but it, otherwise, you know, if there's not, then sometimes our partners also just need to recognize that you're, you're not asking them to solve a problem. You're there. You're asking them to support you. Yeah. Yeah. And that they need to work through their own stuff too, that yeah. it's their time for them to, you know, pull their pants up and do what they need to do in order to support you. Right. It's this whole woman centered care thing, right? It's the mom and the baby are the stars of the show. They are the mm-hmm. protagonists and everyone else gets to just support them in their journey, um, right? It's the breaking down of the hierarchy that we might be used to of like, oh, doctor's in charge. Like, no, I mean, mom and baby are in charge. If anyone's in charge, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. them. And, and so you guys orchestrate the show. <laughs> Yeah. And take that power because it does, it does, it is yours. And, you know, something that I was listening to, um, the, one of the recent indie birth podcasts and, um, you know, I, something that super hit home was her message that autonomy and sovereignty isn't, you're not granted permission to have Mm -hmm. it you take it. It is yours. You don't need someone to give it to you. Mm -hmm. It isn't, it isn't given. It is, it is, you stand in it. You stand in your autonomy. You stand in your sovereignty. It's if you're asking permission, then you're not, you're not really autonomous. (laughs) Um, And I, and that's been, yeah, ringing over and over and over in my head, like, since in a more eloquent way but like I said I'm a little foggy (laughs) no no, you're saying it beautifully I hear you I that's funny because that's where my mind started going when you said you know just thinking of the woman in the middle and of her care but it she has to be willing to take that power yeah otherwise someone else can take it they will they will. And, you know, we make it a point in our care to like always turn it back to the woman. Right. But again, they shouldn't be waiting around for someone to give it back to them. You know, where the contemporary model doesn't really do that. We have, you know, sometimes some OBs are like, well, if a woman's going to take her power, then I then sure I can support her. But if not, I will be the one in charge. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. they they're not going to wait around to see if you're willing to take charge or not. <laughs> and I think the longer they're in the obstetrical model, the quicker they are to take the power back, you yeah. know? Um, and again, when you don't know your clients other than five minutes at a time, it's a lot easier to 
power grab, right? So. Yeah. So the power is there. It belongs to you. You don't have to ask for it. No. You don't have to appease anyone else. You are the queen of your own castle, your own lands, your dreams, your fields of dreams, you know. And that's why birth is the epic rite of passage where women are invited to embody even deeper layers of their courage and resiliency and strength and magnificence if they're willing to embrace it as such. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be that and so much more. Which is a great kind of ending point, actually. I agree. We did. We made it through all our topics. That's great. And we meandered a little, but not too far. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we're still within our usual hour mark or so. So thank you to our listeners for joining us for our adventures. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can contact us through women on fire podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want have something to share, a story to share, if you have um, curiosities or topics or questions, um, you can you can contact us and we will dive deep with you. Indeed, we will. Thank you so very much. It's been amazing to grow with you, Jamie, and this podcast and um all the folks that have been along for the journey. It's been amazing to see this project grow. Um, yeah. I love it so very much. Every time it gets way more fun and exciting. Um, and I just look forward to more, more growth after our, our little pause. <laughs> yeah. After our tiny little helper comes. So yeah. we might get one more in without a little squeaker in the background and <laughs> oh my god maybe two who knows a little squeaker all righty we'll take it one day at a time that's right that's right thank you thank you everyone for taking time to be with us and we love you aloha